Welcome to the Data for Betterment podcast, Reimagine Hybrid Work, with your host, Maribel Lopez. Maribel is the founder of the Data for Betterment Foundation and Lopez Research. The Data for Betterment Foundation is a nonprofit organization that helps individuals understand and prepare for how their career will change as companies embrace new technologies. Lopez Research, a market research and strategy consulting firm, helps companies understand how technologies such as connected devices, collaboration, cloud computing, and AI change the customer and employee experience. The firm's clients range from startups to global corporations, including 10 of the Fortune 30. She's also the author of the highly regarded business book on how those technologies are transforming the company, employee, and customer experience, Right Time Experiences, published by Wiley. She's also a frequent public speaker at corporate events and contributor at Forbes.com. Maribel is currently researching and writing her next book on how to build successful strategies for workplace transformation. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm joined with Jennifer Murphy. She is the CMO of Five9, and I'm actually really excited to talk to her about all the changes that are going on in this space, and particularly to be speaking with her on the cusp of International Women's Day. Jennifer, can you tell the audience a little bit more about you and your journey to the CMO role? Awesome. Thank you, Maribel. I'm uh, very glad to be here. And like you said, it's very exciting as we go into uh, International Women's Day. So my name is Jennifer Murphy. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Five9. And my journey to being a CMO was probably a little bit different than most. I am not a career marketer, uh, as many people in the CMO role are. I actually came to marketing uh, through product management and through various different technology roles. I spent 13 plus years at Hewlett Packard. Uh, and for anyone that has worked for a big company like HP, uh, you know that it is often like working for many different companies. And I was very fortunate that uh, I went from being an SAP consultant um, to being a product manager, to working in our CTO office. And then I stumbled into the beautiful world of product marketing. Uh, and from there, went from product marketing to partner marketing, and then took on some of the uh, the other marketing disciplines like brand and demand generation, and finally took on the CMO role. And actually, my CMO role now, I would say, is pretty traditional. My CMO roles in the past have included... Um, all different aspects from uh, sales enablement through to brand and demand generation. So I always categorized it. I think my most broad CMO role was method, message and making it work. So the method was our sales enablement. Um, the message was everything to do with value, proper brand. And the making it work was all of the demand generation activities and partner activities. Fabulous. And little known uh, fact about me is I actually started my career in finance. And I started in finance at Motorola and I worked over in my way over into marketing in the market research group, which then led me to market research, market strategy. And now I'm an industry analyst. So everybody has an interesting journey. So that's why I wanted to hear what yours was. And yeah. I know that many people are familiar with Five9, but for those that might not be familiar, can you tell the audience a little bit more about who Five9 is and what they do? 
Of course. So 5.9 uh, is a cloud contact centre provider. Ultimately, what that means is we provide a cloud-based platform for brands to engage with their customers. So this could be where customers are reaching out to you as a brand. Uh, think of when you need to reach out to your internet provider to check your bill or change your plan, or when you need to make a purchase online and you want to check on the status of an order, to healthcare providers who are providing telehealth services, uh, and they're reaching out themselves to their customers and their patients. So ultimately, what we provide is an AI-enabled platform to support all different types of customer engagement across all different channels of engagement, from voice through to self-service, uh, intelligent virtual agents, chat, and over the internet as well. So every time customers are looking to engage with their brands, we are powering uh, the behind-the-scenes platform that makes that a reality. Well, and it makes sense that we'd be having this conversation now because everyone is talking about the customer experience. It's a large topic. It has many different technologies in it when you just call it CX. But we're actually seeing people look at focusing on both delivering better CX and EX. It's necessary in the markets that you cover. You know, if we look at communications, collaboration, contact center, you know, when we look back over the past year, a lot has changed. And you started to allude to that in your introduction of what you do when you started to talk about customer engagement. So tell me a little bit about, in your opinion, how has the market changed and what do you think is next in the market? Yeah, it's so exciting. And it's one of the reasons I actually came to 5.9. I've been at 5.9 for a year now. And one of the reasons, because I saw this on the horizon um, with you know, I think in the last year, there has been a realisation and an acceptance that customer experience and employee experience are intrinsically linked. And we see evidence of this through the great resignation, right, that people have, have been talking about. Employees are saying enough. They want a better work experience. And companies have been forced to realise that or suffer the consequences. And at the end of the day, who really suffers? The employees, right? They're suffering when they're not getting a great employee experience. But then that, that customer experience suffers as well because the level of customer service goes down. Um, so recently, we actually did a, a report uh, called The Metric Gap. Uh, and it had a really interesting stat in there, I thought at least. And it was the agent turnover rate. So agents in contact centers, they may be dealing with calls that come in or they may be dealing with chats or SMSs. But agent turnover rates are 15% lower. When agent turnover rates are 15% lower, CSAT increases by 26%. Wow. Those are big numbers. That's yeah. real impact when you think about it. It is. That, that to me, I was like, hang on, just pause and think about that. So when you can reduce the turnover rate of your agents, when you can create a better employee experience and stop uh, those agents from turning over, you can increase your CSAT source by 26%. And that has a direct impact then on revenue because the happier a customer, the more loyal a customer, the more likely they are to come back, the more likely they are to maybe increase the amount of purchasing that they do with you. Um, I think the other thing as well is in the past year, we've started to take a more balanced approach to the use of AI and automation, especially in the contact center. Um, 
our customers are taking a more thoughtful and analytical approach to where to apply AI and automation using data and insights. We definitely see that a lot. At first, like with any technology, it's a bit of a shiny object syndrome. Um, and now, you know, applying AI and automation isn't just about cost savings. It's looking at how that technology is going to impact the customer experience and how the technology will impact the customer experience. Um, just the other day, I was actually doing a, a contact center ride along, if you will. Um, and I was sitting next to an agent. And it was really, really interesting because when they were dealing with routine things like password changes or general inquiries, they had a very different persona to when they actually really had to empathize with the customer and they really had to engage and troubleshoot and get different pieces of information from different places. That's when the agent really lit up. And so I think we've started to see the realization of that uh, and the practical use of AI and automation in the contact center. Regardless of what your role is, I think this actually applies to any employee in any type of engagement. There are certain things that if we could automate that and just get that off the table, our satisfaction as a worker goes up. And if our satisfaction as a worker goes up, that obviously allows us to deliver better service. And the other thing that you mentioned about the retention, the thing that's so very important about that, obviously we're living in this great resignation era, as they call it. But I think the other thing that's an issue is even before that, there was a perception that you would just go out and hire whatever talent that you need. And there's a cost to hiring, there's a cost to training, and there's a cost to experience that goes with all that. And when you really think about it, investing in the right technology and investing in the right people really helps you accelerate your growth. And I think we're just now starting to really grapple with some of the challenges and opportunities that that provides to us. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, it, it is key because often people look at things like AI and automation and, you know, in the past it used to be like, well, we're doing it for cost savings and, you know, it means we can get rid of people. And that, that's not that's not the answer. Um, you know, we we see uh, not a world of, you know, domination of artificial intelligence, but what we call collaborative intelligence, where AI and humans are working together to optimise the engagements, whether that's amongst employees or between employees and the customers. And that's why we've been advocating at Five9 for what we call a digital workforce, not as a way of replacing the human workforce, but using technology where it matters most to augment and ultimately help, as you said, companies to scale. Absolutely. And speaking of scale, I know that you've been working with many large enterprise customers. And I was wondering if what they're asking for today, you know, A, what they're asking for today in general, but B, does that differ from what maybe the mid-market is doing? Yeah, that that's interesting, actually. Um, I think, you know, when we speak to our customers, both the enterprise and the mid-market have got the same goal, Right remove the friction in the customer journey, create a better employee experience, create a better customer experience. Both are looking to help scale and get operational efficiency without damaging customer experience. Both are often looking at AI and automation as a means by which to do that. Um, 
we actually see in the mid market, I will say, you know, last year, if we look at, for example, uh, you know, five nine, we have AI and automation solutions. I would probably say in the mid market, it was around about 20% of our net new deals had uh, AI and automation uh, attached to them. Whereas if we started to look at the enterprise and especially into the strategic accounts, which are our really large accounts uh, in the thousand multi thousand seats, that was like 80% of them were looking at AI and automation in terms of having that attached. So I think both have got underlying foundational goals. A lot of it, I think, comes to how they actually want to consume the technology. So in the mid-market, we do see customers are starting to want more consolidation of the tech stack, mainly to reduce operational overhead. So for example, you mentioned earlier um, about collaboration and communication. So we do see customers asking more, well, can I have a joint or integrated solution for UC, Unified Comms and Collaboration? Collaboration and the contact center, CC. Why? Because often in the mid-market, it's a smaller team. It's one group who's having to manage both of them. They don't want to have to deal with the overhead. Whereas in the enterprise, whilst that's a nice objective, they almost have a little bit of the liberty of being able to manage multiple uh, different technology pieces as well. So I think the underlying principles are the same. I think the way in which they consume the technology uh, is also different. Um, you know, another example of that is, uh, you know, AI and automation again. The mid market can't always afford massive teams of developers and data analysts. So having out of the box capabilities for AI training, reporting, analytics, open and documented SDKs and APIs, that is critically important. Um so those those are some of the, the differences that we see when we're speaking uh, when we're speaking to customers. Um, another area as well, you mentioned training, right? As well, I think I think that's a, a key area as well. Definitely a desire and a demand to be a bit more self service in the mid market, right? Freedom of of information, uh, ability to get that information in a sort of more consumable way. I think those are great uh, finer points of looking at how the different types of audiences are embracing the technology. And it's really interesting that automation and AI is um, such great take rates that in the mm-hmm. customers that you're speaking with. You know, we have a, a mixture when we look at, at Lopez Research. So I think you're probably dealing with some of the more advanced customers. But I would say in 2022, almost every company that we speak with is looking at how automation and AI can assist them. It's part of that move from what was digital transformation where they just became digital to Mm -hmm. a digital acceleration where they're trying to figure out what are the digital technologies I should be using now to take my business to the next level. And in that sort of AI and automation, you know, this podcast talks about distributed work, hybrid work. How do you envision these solutions changing that landscape? I think they're going to have a fundamental change on it. Um, and I think they're going to become even more important. And and, and the point that you made, actually, um, with regards to adoption, I think that's a really interesting piece um, because there's still a lot of work to do. Right. There is definitely still a lot of work to do with applying AI and automation in a practical way, identifying, you know, in a lot of cases for companies who have implemented AI and automation, they've done some of the easy things. Now it's how do we apply them to some of those more complex tasks and an area that, you know, we've touched upon is training, right? Remote training. So how do you use AI powered 
how do you create like an AI powered connected worker who is working in a remote environment, as an example? So, you know, there are plenty of different um, ways in which you can do that. And it's not just AI as well. It's also using things like virtual training, virtual reality training. How do you deliver um, remote assistance? Right. So how do you use uh, AI and automation uh, and third party apps to deliver remote assistance from, you know, if you've got a bunch of workers who there's different types of remote, there's remote people working from home, like contact center agents, they may be just working in their home and they need assistance or remote as in you've actually got people who are in the field who are, you know, working every day in the field and can't come into a local hub office, as an example. So I think training is a huge place that is important for employee retention. It's important for employee experience and customer experience. And it's a huge opportunity to apply AI in some novel ways to actually create a more personalized and connected experience for your remote employees. I absolutely agree with that. And we're seeing exactly the same thing in the organizations that we're speaking with. Now, you're talking to a lot of companies about customer engagement. And I'm wondering, in your discussions, do you feel that companies are approaching this new CX uh, slash customer engagement landscape the right way? And what advice do you have for them? And I guess we could probably say that CX and customer engagement, there's there's different elements of that, but let's just take customer engagement. Are they approaching it the right way? I I think they are. I think the one trap that we all fall into is making sure that we truly understand our customer, right? So it seems obvious, but I think who you thought your customer was and who they are maybe post-pandemic can be very different. Their needs and preferences have likely changed and you can't make assumptions based on old data. So I think there's really two pieces there. One is, you know, are you, do you really understand your customer of today or are you making assumptions based on historical information that are prob- might be outdated? And in the past, you know, your customer maybe your customer profile didn't took a bit longer to change. I think if anything, the pandemic has accelerated all of those things. So it means that your customer profile, you know, may have changed in a little bit of quicker time. Uh, and then the other piece is data, right? So I think take the time to take a step back and make sure you really do understand the customer's preferences. Um, for example, have they always been an in-person shopper? And now post-pandemic, even though they can go back to in-person, they don't want to. Before, maybe they preferred calling for services and support. Now they want to do everything online or via message or vice versa. Um, and that leads to the, the other point about data, right? I, I do think that there needs to be more of a concerted effort within organisations who are hoping to take advantage of this new CX landscape to break down the data silos, to truly understand the customers. You have to think like them, not impose your org structure on the customer experience. I do still see that happening um, in a lot of uh, in a lot of customers, where you know the contact center has a, a set of data, um, and then maybe the support organization is run differently, and they have a set set of data, but they're not connecting the dots, and they're sort of imposing their org structure onto the customer experience and taking an inside out versus an outside in. I think this whole discussion of who the customer is and what they want today 
is such a powerful theme. I mean, when you think about it, we've had data, but I think you almost have to look at the data from the past year to get a better sense of what's going on with customers. Because if you look at it before that, behaviors have changed. People that weren't online are online now. Uh, Preferences, as you mentioned, have changed. And you actually also have more touch points now than you've ever had. So that's another great thing about being able to leverage the data landscape. So thank you for that insight, Jennifer. And I wanted to actually uh, close the podcast with what we call the 10-second recommendation, which is, is there a book, activity, place that you'd like to recommend to the audience? Uh, I think it would have to be a book. I'm going to go, well, actually today, uh, yeah, today I thought of, I thought about a, a book that I still really love. It's called The Medici Effect. Why? Because it speaks to the power of bringing different ideas from different places together to come up with novel solutions to complex problems. So ultimately, I love that book because it gets you thinking, and I think that's what a good book should do. It should inspire you. So I would recommend The Medici Effect because it's all about how do you come up with novel solutions to complex problems, and undoubtedly the challenge of customer experience and getting right is a complex problem, but we need a simple solution to it. I think we could say the same thing about life in the world now, and I think that's a fabulous recommendation. Thank you so much for your time, Jennifer, and I hope that we see you again on the podcast soon. Wonderful. Thanks for having me, Maribel.